Welcome to the 517 Life Podcast. I'm Heather, joined by Carrie, and today we get the opportunity to hear from our very own Tracy Lee. We'll hear about her journey to a successful broadcasting career and what she's learned from it. We talk about how to find a tribe, how to be a friend, and we discuss singleness in the South and in the church. I think you're going to love how real Tracy is. We're glad you joined us. Here is our conversation with the one and only Tracy Lee. Today we're talking with our good friend Tracy Lee, one of our co-hosts here on the 517 Life Podcast. I know. Thanks for asking me to do this. I think it's important that, you know, we get to know each other better and then, you know, you get to know us better as we share life together. Yeah. And I've known you in lots of different capacities. So that's (laughs) kind of funny. Um, My first interaction with you was as someone who worked at the college that I went to, Mm -hmm. that I attended. Mm -hmm. My second phase of our relationship was you being my boss. And at the radio station. And then um, then we got to just be friends after that. I know. And I've really enjoyed that the most. Yeah, me too. <laughs> wow. I did not know any of that. Well, I met, well, I didn't meet Tracy, but you were our speaker at Unlocked Weekend, mm-hmm. our very first women's conference that the Exchange Church here did. And then the very next thing I know, Heather's talking about wanting to start a podcast. And I was like, okay, yeah. And she's like, oh, and Tracy Lee is going to be a co-host. And I was like, oh. <gasps> <laughs> I had a little like fangirl moment. Oh dear. Yeah, I'm not going to live up to that. <laughs> I mean, you are a lot of things and you hold a lot of titles and you have. Tell us a little bit about, I know we did this a little bit in the intro, mm-hmm. but um, a little bit more about who is Tracy Lee? Well, you know, being raised in central Mississippi, I grew up going to church. You know, it's just what you do. Uh, my mom raised us Baptist. My dad, his family was Pentecostal. So I have raised up that kind of Baptist thing. You know, you could sleep in the Baptist church. You didn't sleep in the Pentecostal <laughs> church because people are running and, you know, doing all that. It was very lively. Um, but I learned a lot about worship and prayer from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. She was 50 years older than me, and I used to remember her kneeling beside her bed every night when I would stay over there and she used Pond's cold cream and Jergens lotion (laughs) and I remember that smell reminding me of heaven because she would get on her knees and cry out to God and name everybody in the family and everybody at her church that was going through something she petitioned the throne room of God on it. So that's, I grew up with a praying grandmother and a family that was involved in ministry at some level, except my dad. He was a fireman, you know, we, so Mm. we grew up different than the rest of my family, but. Did your parents go to two different churches Um, growing up or did did. y'all both kind of go between two different? They did. My mom was actually um, in a home that there was an abusive alcoholic was her dad and she used to hide her brothers and sisters and go take the brunt of him coming home. Mm. So they weren't really churched. Her grandmother took her to church some. And my dad grew up going to the Pentecostal church until there was a ultimatum laid before him that he either played baseball or he got involved in the church. And my dad chose baseball. As any so, teenager would. Yeah, he did. So when he and mom teenagers. got married very young, I might add, like my mom was still a senior in high school. My grandmother had to sign for them to go get married in Alabama. Um, he started going to church with my mom and then you know like they they were very involved and I don't know what happened but something happened and my dad was hurt Mm -hmm. somehow and he has been in church like most of my life my dad hasn't been a church goer but mom made sure we were there wow so you and you mom sister and brother. And I brother. have a brother. Yeah, okay. brother and a sister. My okay. sister was an oops, which I love to remind her of. Uh, <laughs> she was, she, mom came home crying from the doctor when I was almost 16, and we heard my dad laugh in the other room, and we had Jody. So wow. yeah, my brother's five years younger than me, so we're kind of spread out. And you're the oldest? I'm the oldest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and you've had a pretty successful radio career. So tell us a little bit yeah. about how did that start and a little bit about that journey. Did you always know you wanted to be in broadcasting? No clue. I had no clue. And how that came about, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but um, God told me 
in January of 1996 that he would take care of me. He said, don't you ever seek out anything that comes to the natural because everything that you need will be brought to you. Wow. And April of 1996, I was going to school to be a school teacher and I was working at a daycare center. We had a chicken pox epidemic and they combined some of the classes and some of the teachers got to go home that afternoon. I was one of them. And instead of going home, I drove out to my favorite radio station and walked in the door and said, I don't really know why I'm here. I just felt like God told me to come out here. And they said, well, we need a receptionist. Can you answer the phones? So two weeks later, I was answering the phones at Spirit 106 wow. in Jackson, Mississippi. And that was the beginning of a career that I've been in since. Wow. Spirit yeah. 106. Yeah, back that, in the day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that brings me back to fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth, fifth grade, something like that. That was yes. the that was the station. Yeah. Yep. For it Christian was. radio. It was. Mm-hmm. And I went from there to Tulsa, the group that brought us. So did our, you ever do on air? I didn't. I would just commercials. And that was only because we had, it was a lack of okay. employment. You know, we didn't have enough people in the building. So I yeah. would always a commercial here and there. And I went from there at an I Broadcasting bought that station, moved me to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. And I worked at KXOJ there, which was also a Christian AC station. And they were balling. They still are. They're just an incredible station. Okay. And I went from there back to, to Mississippi, started working at the Radio People, which is a mainstream group, got involved with a morning show there at Y101, which is a CHR station, like pop music, and they moved the morning show there. I started producing them just on the side because I knew I wanted to get into the on-air side. Uh-huh. Clear Channel at the time was a radio station across the street. Their competition couldn't beat us, so they hired us and moved us to Madison, Wisconsin. So, wow. Yeah. So you were Mississippi, went to Tulsa, came back to Mississippi. Yeah. And then went to went Wisconsin. Went to Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. So you can imagine this accent on that <laughs> <laughs> in Wisconsin radio. Uh, but it worked out really well. My morning show um, was very, they were exactly what I needed because they were very strict and very good at making sure that I was not proud of anything <laughs> like they beat the pride out of me <laughs> which was so good I mean it was so good for me and my personality type but there was something that comes with that success uh-huh. so early that you don't have the maturity to deal with it mm. and God loved me so much and I firmly believe through the prayers of my grandmother refused to let me go and I remember being in the bathroom of my apartment in Madison, Wisconsin, I had walked away from the radio show because I had just had enough. And the guy I was dating had hooked up with another girl. And I am all alone away from my family in Wisconsin. And I was sitting on the bathroom floor of the apartment crying. And I said, all I want is for somebody to love me. And God spoke to me and said, I don't know what else I can do to you to prove that I do. Hmm. And I knew at that moment he would not walk down that road with me anymore, that I had a choice to make. I could either continue to pursue the success that I had, or I could continue to pursue him. And I packed up everything that would fit in my 1988 blazer and drove home. I left Wisconsin at 1026 that night. I'll never forget it. And drove through the worst thunderstorm ever through Kansas. It was awful, or Missouri coming home and... It was awful, but it was. I felt like it was cleansing. I had no plan. I had walked away from everything that I felt like God had blessed me with this career, and then I ruined it. And I came home for a couple of weeks and just felt so lost. And my aunt had a big house in Bessemer, Alabama. It was just her and my uncle. And she said, why don't you just come stay with me until you can figure it out? And my aunt's like medicine. Like, she's just love and fun and laughter and we call her medicine because she just fixes stuff like you actually call her that yeah we call her we (laughs) tell her she's medicine all the time so I went to live with her with no prospects no no idea about what I was going to do and there was a lady in their church that needed a nanny so I was a nanny and I got to love okay how old are you at this point 28 okay I was 28 Wow. Which is a little old. You want your life planned out by the time you're 28, not falling apart. So um, I was a nanny, and I had Emily, who was two months when I got her, and Anna was five. And I was their nanny for seven months until I decided I was just going to go back to school and be a teacher, which is what I'd always wanted to do. Yeah. So I go back to Mississippi, and the man who hired me 
for my very first radio job called me when he found out I was back in town and he was working at a college station at Mississippi College and he said I need you to come work for me and I'm like no I'm done with radio I'm not doing it anymore he said just come work for me if you don't like it fine you know you can go to school here you can get your degree so I did and I stayed there for 10 years and, <laughs> and then God opened the door for me I knew that the college was getting ready to sell the station and I didn't know what I was going to do again because here I am now 38 you know yeah. and no, no prospects I don't have my degree I don't have anything because I've been doing broadcasting and the general manager from the radio people which was the cluster that I worked at before called me and said we're fixing to put a new station on the air will you come be our brand manager and I said yes so I went and I've been there I was a brand manager for Jack FM for about a year and a half they decided to flip that format and moved me over to be a co-host on the country show the country station and that's where I've been since 2012 what a journey yeah oh my goodness it's so you kept saying I'm gonna go be a teacher and God's <laughs> like nope you're gonna talk to people yeah no I'm gonna be a teacher nope no, you're gonna, you're gonna, come you're gonna I'm gonna here. give yeah. you a platform to talk to people yeah yeah, and I think, I love the way that God has orchestrated this because it went from I have to be in Christian media to be effective to I'm going to mainstream, which totally ruined me the first time, to going back to Christian media to go into mainstream with a whole different foundation because with depth and maturity and finding out who you are and mm -hmm. whose you are, who God sees you as, gives you a better foothold to stand on in the world. And I am in the world. Make no doubt about it, you know. So what is so tell me more about that. That makes sense. Um, being in mainstream radio mm -hmm. with a foundation versus being young and mm -hmm. being kind of swept away with the fame, success, worldliness that comes with that. What what is that what was that like? A little bit more about what was that like from going from ten years in Christian radio being around the things of God and Christian music mm -hmm. and uplifting to now all of a sudden you're playing country music. Yes. And you're in a different environment altogether. I am. But I will tell you something. The people that I deal with, the listeners, the, the people that I work with are so much nicer than the people that I worked with in Christian broadcasting. Isn't that sad? Yes. But it's the absolute truth. hundred percent believe you. Yeah. Absolute truth. Yeah. And what kind of... Because you were kind of a big deal in this area, and still are, but on the Christian station. So what was that like, leaving, going to country station mm -hmm. and being a big deal there? What did the Christians say? Um, I did have one lady tell me that um, God was going to remove his blessing for me when I left Christian Broadcasting and that I would be ruining my life wow. and led down a wrong path. But that was nothing new. I mean, you Don't know, you love you, other people's opinions yeah, of how yeah. you are or, or are not following God? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have a, a lovely name for them. We call them crusaders <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> they just are very, you know, and that's fine in their zeal. But I think that one thing that that has taught me is to be wise before I open my mouth mm. and tell somebody else how they should believe. Because one thing I've learned about being in my position, I work with all kinds of people of different faiths or no faith. And the Holy Spirit has shut me up on more than one occasion to just listen to their hurt. Because people turn away from God and move away from him because they are hurt or they are trying to feel some hurt in them. And I will not know how to minister or pray for them if I do not hear what that is. So there has been more than one occasion I have been in a room with somebody who is a proclaimed atheist and listened to what he said and heard his fear and his hurt and what where he has been coming from or watched somebody else who's turned their back on God because they just don't have time for that. And that insecurity that's based on that. The same things that I deal with. Mm -hmm. Absolute same things. But the enemy has no new tricks. Mm -mm. Like it's all an old bag of tricks. So you just have to figure out which trick he's using on this person. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit is very, very consistent to expose that. Not for me to attack. It's not my job to attack that. It's my job to love that person around that. That is so good. So good. And I think a lot of times people who consider themselves to be Christians 
that don't know how to love Mm -hmm. those ugly broken parts and I think they forget that they have the same ugly broken parts you know and and the first line of defense is to attack that right and I think which does no good no it does and you know my sin is ever before me because I'm a big girl like the thing that I do like I eat that's my thing I turn to food before I turn to God and I can't hide my sin and it's it you know as much as I hate it it's a great reminder Reminder. to me Mm -hmm. that girl what you doing you know don't be out here trying to point out the speck in somebody else's eye you know because that's just but that's that's all of us and you're right some sins are easier to hide than others but if you can't see your sin right and I am by no means glorifying this and saying that you know I don't want victory from it at all or I will oh, absolutely you know, I'm not yeah. doing that by any stretch of the imagination I'm just saying it has been a great humbler mm-hmm. for me when dealing with other people because the shame that is brought on by my own sin is forever present mm. and I don't ever want to inflict that on somebody else so it's made me very cognizant of how other people are hurting even when I can't see it so true and God doesn't shame us in our sin. Right. No, why would my we, own. Thank you. Why would we ever? Yeah. <laughs> that's my own shame. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we bring that on ourselves. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, you have, like I was saying, I was super pumped to find out you're going to be doing this with us. <laughs> because it's like, Tracy Lee. Uh, so you live a little bit of your life in the public eye. I do. Here locally. Yeah. Is it fair to say you might be considered a local celebrity? You know, people have used that term. I think it's ridiculous. Really? I, yes, because I'm not. I <laughs> but mean, it's true. It's, it's true. It's not true. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have any. She doesn't no, want to believe it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not special in any, you know, I just have a microphone in front of me. It's not. But it I doesn't think. make me any better. I think people automatically put you in that whether you as you try to be as down to earth as possible and you are very down to earth and I think that's why people are drawn to you but they elevate you because you have a platform so regardless of if you want it is crazy people elevate me as a pastor's wife no matter how hard I push against it and try to remind people like I'm not married to God you know like I'm not and I also am not God (laughs) we're just regular people but people automatically just kind of put you on a plat on this elevate you I guess because you have a platform right Right. It gives me an opportunity, you know, and it it makes sometimes it's hard to do that because I want to behave badly. Sometimes (laughs) I really want to tell that person what I think about them, you know, (laughs) but but I remember that because you live, like you said, on this level where people can see you, you can't do that like a fishbowl yeah you can't do that you really have to be careful and I know that people that live on a level where you're in a fishbowl say well this is my life I can do what I want to well you have a responsibility when you are up where people are watching you you have a responsibility to show them what you believe and to live that life out and I I feel like we're going to be held responsible for that you know if God elevates us to a position as quickly as it can go away, I by no means have made my home here, you know, because it could be gone tomorrow Absolutely. and I would have to be okay with who I am. But it's stewarding that. that platform that God has given you. So much. So what are you doing with it? Yeah. And, and you yeah. do, you, I feel like you, um, you steward that well. You use Gosh. your platform well. Is it hard, kind of speaking to what Carrie's question was, is it hard for you to, to kind of live your life out there? It was. When I first started, it was. I didn't understand it. Like, I didn't understand why I couldn't have secrets or why my conversations couldn't be kept private. And I didn't understand that. But you have a choice when you're faced with other people knowing what you can do. You can shy away from it. You can lie about it. Or you can own up to it. And hopefully it connects with them on some level that gives you a deeper conversation. I think that's one of the reasons people are drawn to you because you're you're real you're authentic you put it out there and even the things that might make other people blush you talk about it well you know and I've always had the the mindset I want to make other people feel comfortable and if I can make myself the lowest common denominator in the room then the woman who feels that way is gonna feel better absolutely and then I've done my job yeah you know then that's that's exactly what I'm supposed to do we're a lonely society are we more connected than ever yes but do we have relationships no And if I can be somebody's friend, if I can be the person that says what she's thinking or to let her know that she's not alone, then I've done my job. Yeah. You know, I've done this, and I don't want to waste it. Like I just told Carrie, it could be gone in a minute. I mean, I work in broadcasting. 
in 2020. It could ch be changed by a computer tomorrow. Right, right. And I, you know, I want to make sure that I don't waste a second of a position that God so put me in because I have no business doing what I'm doing because I don't have any qualifications to do it. So I don't want to waste a moment or him say, why didn't you take more advantage of this? And I think that's our heartbeat here too for this podcast is just being that transparent and providing that um, authenticity mm -hmm. that we're also desperately craving to somebody else that is dealing with what I'm dealing with or yeah. that understands what it's like to not have it all together. Right. And I don't by any stretch of the imagination have it all together. I don't even know where it's located. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, do you? Do you know where that Sorry. is? Don't know where it is. <laughs> but Tracy and I do have something in common regarding the Enneagram. You and I are both an Enneagram 3, we as it turns are. out. I just found out. I thought I was a 2 for the last couple of years because th somebody sent me this test. It's like 168 questions. I got to about 80, and I'm like, I'm done. So I just started pushing buttons. Uh, <laughs> to do get you to know something that, that is, that's supposedly true about an Enneagram 3? I'm not. I am an Enneagram 2, but this is what I know because I'm an Enneagram nerd, that Enneagram 3s don't always care about how it gets done, just as long as it gets done. Okay. Care about the end result more than how we get there. Well, and I was a walking example of that, <laughs> masquerading as a two for years. And it's so funny when I finally admitted it that I'm like, I don't really think I am. Heather said, I knew it. I knew you weren't. You just have actions and things you do. You weren't yeah. a two. So I felt like it I always puzzled it. me because I'm like, I would say something to Tracy trying to connect as a two. Like, you get this. And she'd just look at me like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's the look that would be on your face. I'm like, okay. Well, All my right. experience when I found out I was a three was a mix of pride because I'm the successful achiever <laughs> and like, oh, well, people are just going to think I'm like arrogant or something and like just have okay, to get to the top. So say what an Enneagram 3 is, a little bit of background. Since we're oh gosh, well, about since it. you're the Enneagram expert, <laughs> you might need to be the one to do that because I haven't read up on this lately. I know. Sometime soon we'll have to invite an Enneagram coach on to talk yeah. about this a little bit more. Um, but the, so... I don't even know what it's, what is an Enneagram 3? The, the successful achiever. achiever. Yeah. That's right. The achiever. Yeah. So we succeed at pretty much anything we set our mind to, probably okay. because we are afraid to start things that we don't know if we're going to be able to succeed at them. True. That's we good. tend to wear a mask because we don't want people to see whatever's under the facade that we put on. Well, one of the things <laughs> that I like it. about an Enneagram 3 from, from what I do know and what I've studied is that you guys have this innate ability to connect with anyone, anytime, anywhere. For example, you talk to someone who is a mechanic. That's just the most random thing I can think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, you may not know anything about being a mechanic. You're obviously not a mechanic, but you could strike up a conversation with that person and connect with them about something. I feel like you, you guys know just enough to have a conversation <laughs> with anybody. Is that, would you say that's true? That's true of me. Mm -hmm. Is me that too. Yeah. I didn't know that was a type three thing. Yeah, I read this in, in a book mm -hmm. about threes. My husband does not care to network because he just wants his work to show the good about him and not feel like he's having to kiss up to anybody. But what me, is his Enneagram? He's number? a seven. He's a seven. Okay. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, oh, you need me to work this room? Follow me. You know? <laughs> I got you, babe. Is that you too, Tracy? <laughs> yes, that is me Because I know Tracy's just brand new into yeah, learning about what this is. Threes want to, want to succeed, amazing cheerleaders for their friends, um, people love being around them, can't stop, won't stop, that's true about you guys. It's also a Miley Cyrus song. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. The Achiever, okay, let's see, um, you're looked up to, ambitious, an encourager of those around you, man. Well, I remember, Tracy, did you have moments, and I didn't really think of this until I really started studying what it was to be a type three, but apparently you're the same number your whole life, supposedly, mm -hmm. according to experts, right? Mm -hmm. there's, so, some, there's some differing opinions on that. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Not the whole nature versus nurture thing <laughs> from psychology class. <laughs> oh. Well, Heather's our local expert. <laughs> no, no, but no, no, for me. me, like, I remember in kindergarten, we had this sticker chart, and you had to get all the way across the sticker chart. And I needed my stickers. Yeah. And then there was like in third grade, our teacher had the apple of your eye thing where if you got enough gold stars on your little paper cutout apple, you were like the apple of her eye for the week. Oh. So I had to get all the stars so I could be apple of the eye. <laughs> yes. And then I 
I remember taking piano and you could get student of the week if you practiced a certain number of minutes and memorized so many songs and da, da, da. And, and you were student of the I week. I got student of the year because I got student of <laughs> the week so many times. Yes, and I remember well. in Perfect. high school being super ticked off because I had a 4.0 GPA, which made me 23rd in my class, meaning I was not in the top 20, oh. which really bothered me oh, because wow. I need to be the best. Yeah. Even so do you have things perfect. like that? I led a coup in my first grade class so I could be involved in the win. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we had these. My teacher. A third grade coup. No, it was a first grade girl. First grade yeah, coup. Yeah, first grade. I may have said third. But we had Buddy Bear was like our weekly reader thing. And Miss Higdon had hidden five of them around the room. And whoever found all five got candy. So that just upped the ante. <laughs> so four were really easy to find. And at the time, we had bathrooms in our classroom because I'm ancient. And one of the guys went and found the Buddy Bear in there. Well, Miss Higdon had gone to the office and left us unattended. So I saw an opportunity opportunity to swoop in and take the win so I did but I gave it to the whole class I said look this is what we do like I literally calmed everybody down I was six and <laughs> said when Miss Higdon comes back we just all yell we found the other buddy and we all win so everybody sat I posted a lookout at the door to see her coming down the hall this is I so was great six and when she came we were so excited and she walked in and we blew her hair back screaming we found the other buddy <laughs> We were so excited. And the whole class got candy? The whole class got Thanks candy. Thanks to you. <laughs> no, because you. I needed to find him. And somebody found him before me. It was unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> if you're getting praised, we're all getting praised, bud. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if I can have it by myself, but if I can't have it by myself, there you go. we're all getting we're it. We're all getting it. Yeah. And isn't it true that type 3s tend to not be very in touch with their feelings? So, let's go there. No, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, that's very true about it, uh, Enneagram 2, oh, as I am. Interesting. But this says um, fears of Enneagram 3, not doing enough, mm-hmm. feeling worthless, being misunderstood. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Being misunderstood, I could see that that would be a big deal. I mean, who does like I to be misunderstood? <laughs> okay, I hate TV shows about misunderstandings. Ooh. Like, my husband loves Seinfeld, but, like, every episode is, like, comedy of errors, misunderstanding, and I can't stand it! <laughs> <laughs> I do love Seinfeld, though. I love oh, my Seinfeld. gosh. No. That's, That's so fascinating. <laughs> but well, I love the Hallmark Channel, too, because you know, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Everything is so predictable. It is just delicious. I love it. <laughs> and somebody always wins. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. We'll have to so explore yeah, that further. Know. We'll have to have um, our Our Enneagram coach coach. on and kind of talk through that. That's fascinating to me. Uh, Tracy, something else that I wanted to talk to you about while you're sharing, kind of wanted to ask you about, you mentioned recently about the importance of having a tribe. Yeah. And I kind of have been hearing that word everywhere. So I kind of wanted us to talk about what does that look like? Um, you mentioned kind of going through a season of not having a tribe mm-hmm. and trying to have a tribe. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Well, I just think it means um, people that I can physically connect with, that I can touch, that I can sit down and talk to face to face. Because in my profession, I know a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people, but I don't have meaningful conversations with people. And I want there to be that person that I trust. Um, I'm reading. It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkhurst. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she talks about during this dark point in her time is that she reached out and called a friend at 530 in the morning and just spilled her heart to them. And I thought to myself, I don't have anybody to call. Yeah. I don't have anybody that I would call, number one, because I don't trust people. Number two, I don't, I haven't put forth the effort mm-hmm. to build those relationships. And I wanted to change that. So... You know, because wouldn't you agree that the older you get and the busier life gets, mm-hmm. the harder it is to maintain those close knit relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as like your acquaintance pool grows, mm-hmm. it's hard to like stay on track with keeping up with people on that deep level. Right. Like I have a lot of good friends and I want to be like, Really, really authentic and best friends with them, but there's only only so many times in the day. That's you know? right, and it's work. It's work to be authentic. You know, it's more work, I think, to be fake, because <laughs> you have to remember how you were fake last time to be fake that way again. But that stresses me out. It's it, it does me too. It's just worth it. I think I want that. I want that 
community because I'm single and I want to have that community of friends that I can surround myself with that for accountability and encouragement and learning and having discussions about things that maybe we see differently on mm-hmm. and hearing your standpoint and one, you know, just kind of pulling mine apart, making sure that my beliefs are where they need to be. I just want that community. I want that. Yeah. How are you building that? I'm flat out just asking people to be a part of it. Like I did, I literally, and it's not like, it's not something that I'm flippantly doing. Um, I really am trying to be wise and put people around me that I feel like will challenge me and make me grow. I don't want people, I don't want yes men Mm -hmm. around me. And I want people that are going to not agree with me all the time. And they're going to be bold enough to tell me you need to change this area of your life. You know, so I, we have a teenage daughter, and, and even with our our son who's in second grade, you know, friendship's hard, mm-hmm. and it starts, I don't remember it starting as young as it, as it I've seen it with my own kids, but right. um, it's hard as a second grader, and so I'm having to teach my son this, but even more so, high school girls yeah. and friendships, and that's just a constant source of Oh, frustration and, you know, but well, one thing that we tell our kids and that I have to preach to myself as an adult, as a 33 year old adult is, you know, if you want to have friends, you have to first be a friend because I think a lot of times we wait on people to come to us and then we get frustrated or upset because, and a lot of the drama starts because, well, so-and-so didn't invite me to go Mm -hmm. do this thing or Mm -hmm. they're all hanging out and I didn't get the invite. I mean, it's stuff that you deal with as a teenager, but it it doesn't really change as an adult. And so you have that choice of, okay, am I going to mope and think I'm not good enough, whatever, or am I just going to, you know what? Well, let me invite somebody to go do something. Right. I'm going to put the invitation out there. Well, I think you have to ask yourself too that do you want to grow as a person? Do you want to be a better friend? Do you want to be a better mother? Do you want to be a better wife? then you need to have people around you that are constantly challenging you and encouraging you. I think just having people around you that challenge you will drive you to drink, you know, because you're just <laughs> like, I can't do this anymore, you know. But you got to have both. If you right. have a healthy community around you that can help hold you up, then you're going to be stronger in everything that you do. And that's a great pattern to set for your children, for other people that look up to you mm-hmm. in your position. You know, there's... It has to be planned vulnerability, almost. You have to just kind of build that relationship with those people and get to know. And it does take work because we're busy. We're really busy. But it's lonely when you spend your nights at a ball field and you get to know these parents. If they've got kids older than you and their kids leave, then your friends leave. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself constantly alone in those things unless you're so specific about building your tribe. Do you think... Sometimes we can be scared to put ourselves out there yeah. thinking, oh, they don't want to be friends with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm They're petrified. too cool. <laughs> Listen, petrified. Yeah. Absolutely petrified to even be like, hey, do you want to just like go get dinner or go to get lunch? Yeah. And, and I've talked to you about this before. Mm-hmm. Just in the last year when you were on my mind and mm-hmm. I had the thought, just text Tracy and see if she wants to go have coffee, have lunch, yeah. you know, just catch up. Yeah. And instantly the thought, well, this happened multiple times, three different times. Instantly the thought was, no, she's stupid. She's already got people. She's not going to be interested in talking to me. Yeah. And I talked myself out of it and I didn't make the move. This side of it, because we've talked about this, I was desperate for that community because you can be surrounded by people and be alone. And that's where I was. Yeah. And I was desperate for that connection and felt all alone yeah and to it was a very low point and I kept thinking why am I feeling this way you know like I'm surrounded by people constantly and I just I was so lonely so yeah on this side of it always pay attention to that prompting absolutely Mm -hmm. I I learned God taught me a great lesson in that Mm -hmm. because I'm not gonna randomly think about somebody for no good reason right Right. and I would Mm -hmm. preach that but Man, yeah. how quickly I talked myself out of following <laughs> that prompt that was likely the Holy Spirit prompting me to reach out to you, and I didn't do it. And yeah. 
So, you know, God filled that gap some other way with some other person who would listen, I'm sure. No, but it was you. It just took longer. <laughs> <laughs> it just took longer. It was longer. So Thanks, sad. Heather. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. But this is, you know, even connecting with you, both of you on a ministry level, you know, this is was a process for me to get here, too. And it's just, you know, it's sweet. I wish just, I had just done it quicker so everybody needs a tribe Mm -hmm. you would say Mm -hmm. and don't wait for it to come to you go get it right build it and that's Mm -hmm. going well for you it is it's scary I mean it's small (laughs) it's small you know (laughs) to start out hey you're starting somewhere that's because let's be honest I don't I mean I I don't trust everybody because Mm -hmm. of my position you know when people usually want to have community with me or fellowship it's because of some benefit Mm -hmm. that I can give them you're somebody. And I don't mind yeah. doing what I can do for people, but on a personal level, like even with my weight, when people come to me and they're like, I really just want to help you. I found this product and I think it would help you. And then you can sell it and make money. And I'm like, you want me in your oh, downline. Oh my goodness. You don't care about me. You care about what I can do for your business. And that's fine, but don't feign compassion when you have commercialism on your mind. Don't make me come out of my chair. And that's fine. I know that people are like that, but it can, you know, so, yeah. So it makes me not trust people when they come to me, even when they approach me. I just have a wall up. And I think we all do because we all have some level of hurt where somebody's deceived us or even not meaning to if their Mm -hmm. motives were good. Right. You know, it's just a source Absolutely. And you have Mm -hmm. to push through that because you you know what? You might get hurt again. Yep. Yeah, and probably will. But, you know. So how do you manage, like, a pro- not not that it's a problem, but something I've experienced when it comes to tribe is that I may have, like, multiple mini-tribes. Yeah. And it's really hard to keep track of multiple mini-tribes who are not <laughs> mutually connected through, yeah. say, yeah. a church family or yeah. a mutual friend group, but, like, a friend from here, a friend from there, two friends from here, six friends from here. Right. And I feel like you don't have a tribe. I feel like you have a universe or something (laughs) something greater well it's like my friends from high school my friends from college my friends from church my friend from wherever you know there's like yeah and I think there comes a point to keep track of everybody the way I want to in adulthood where you have to kind of not purging but it kind of you kind of have to figure out where your lines are going to fall because I vulnerability comes very easy for me but that has come back to bite me a, a lot of times because I value like I, I will tell you too much about myself and uh, ex- either expect the same in return. That's and not everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. And I had to understand that. But also um, some people just aren't ready to hear all the things yeah. from you. And so I think I, I had to realize real quickly that there are there are some people that I can be friends with and friendly with. And I'm not going to be fake because that's not who I am. But they don't have to know everything. Right. And then I can have that closer few that, okay, it's a safe place for me to share whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, and there were, there were some friendships that I had to let go of, even for, like you said, from childhood, that, mm-hmm. that I still think about them all the time. And I, and I miss those friendships. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of had to reach out to those people and say, you know what, I have I have a lot of balls I'm juggling, a lot of things I'm juggling, and I can't, I can't be what you need for me to be in this season. Um, that's not forever. I just, th- I had to kind of manage expectations mm-hmm. because I felt a lot of guilt of, you know, a month's gone by and I haven't reached out to this person. Yeah. I'm being a bad friend. Well, you know, even mm-hmm. Jesus had an inner circle. You know, even he had the three that went with him for the transfiguration and went with him because you've got James, John, and Peter that were his inner circle. And John, golly, I I love John, but man, how annoying. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, (laughs) like he would have gotten on my last nerve, but he was still in Jesus' inner circle. And then you have the rest of the disciples that were still so close to him, but Jesus had an inner circle. And -hmm. I think that's a good example for us to take. We can't be everything to everybody, Mm -hmm. and we can't split our time up equally among everybody. But we can have an inner circle that we invest in and that we, you know. And we need to have that. We absolutely We do. need to prioritize it. And so one thing that I've, I've done recently, just in this last year, is go ahead and put those things on the calendar. Yes. Coffee date with this person, lunch with this person. It may be two mm-hmm. weeks out, but it's on my calendar. Right. 
And I think, I hope that it will get better and I won't continue to have to do that. But right now it's working really well because it's really easy to just a week's gone and where'd the time go, Right. you know, and not prioritize. So if I'm going to prioritize those relationships, then I've got to, I've got to keep the commitments that I'm making to myself and to those people and in my close it. circle. Keeping the commitment you make to yourself because I'll plan something and it sounds so good when I'm planning it and then the day comes and I would give my right arm to not go. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't want to leave my house. Yeah. I, I don't want to put a bra on. I don't want to go. I mean, oh, you know, absolutely. that's just real So talk. do you not go or do you just buck up and do it? I buck up and do it. So how would you feel if... Or how would you feel if you were the person on the receiving end of the person not bucking up? And I doing would be it? so happy that they canceled because I wouldn't want to go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I guess that's where we differ because like I've had times where people where I'm trying to build a relationship with somebody and then they back out and then I expect them to be like, okay, well next time you're going to have to plan it. And they never do. So it never happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that makes guys. me sad. It does. It makes me sad too. And you know, that's we're just not all of... achievers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we can't all be perfect like, like you guys. <laughs> it's like my calendar. Like I'm pretty sure I yelled at Austin about something recently because I'd already written it in ink on my calendar, and then it <gasps> got canceled. Not in ink. Yeah. In ink, <gasps> Heather. What do you do? You have to scratch it out. <laughs> that's so ugly. Oh. Girl, I got some white out. You know, <laughs> I don't even play that game. Oh yeah. my gosh. But I, I get it. Interesting. <laughs> you both do paper planners too. I do paper and yeah. digital. I have like I three too. digital and one paper. I got to step up my game, guys. <laughs> I love, I I'm love flying by the paper paper my pants over here. <laughs> I do. I, I have my paper planner in my purse. And when I pull it out, people just look at me like, okay, boomer. But, you know, I don't care. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm a millennial and I still have my paper calendar. Yeah. It's fine. Wow. <laughs> so you're talking about you schedule it and then managing the expectations when other people don't prioritize it the way that you did. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's like hard. It hurts my feelings. I right. have some people that I care about like that, but then there are some things I don't. Is that awful? Like no. I would be so sad if I made it with somebody. I was really looking forward to it and then they canceled. I'd be like, oh, I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And I think that's just. I guess that's in, what I experienced. Yeah. I think in general, there's this lack of commitment that I see. People don't want to commit to something or they don't value the commitment that yeah. they made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw this lived out this past weekend, my daughter's birthday party. So we we're planning. I've already bought the food. And that afternoon, they slowly just start dropping out for this reason or that reason. Aww. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, you Aww. said you would be there, but they don't they don't value. I mean, they're high schoolers. Yeah. But they're, they're not they're not being taught to value the commitment mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they made. OK, or if you have if you just can't, you want to stay home, reschedule. Huh? Right. Huh? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> just be honest with, you know what? So I love you, but I don't want to put on a bra right now. Right. Can we do this tomorrow right. or next week? Yeah, I think the, <laughs> the whole point is just doing it. Doing it, starting somewhere. Absolutely. You know, just starting somewhere. You're, you're, you're going to get let down. I mean, mm-hmm. no one's going to be perfect and perfectly meet your needs. Yeah. But that's relationships. Yeah. And you, I and the, myself of that, too. Yeah, and as you, as you navigate those, you become closer and you build that relationship. Right, right. So, it just makes you closer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So take the step. Do begin to, to build do a tribe. It. Do it. Be a friend. Don't keep waiting on everybody just to come to you. Right. You find people who you like and put yourself out there. And you know yeah. what? The worst they can say is no. My mom used to say that all the time. What's the worst they can say? No. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> know. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Okay, don't say no. <laughs> and you That's just awesome. move on to build your tribe. One thing that you mentioned um, when it comes to building a tribe is being single. Yeah. And I've heard you talk recently about what it's been like to be single in the South, mm-hmm. being single in your job, mm-hmm. being single at home, being single in the church. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many different different ways that it has impacts on yeah. your life. Yeah. I yeah. would love for you to talk a little bit about those. I mean, I know I just threw out a bunch of things. Yeah, but no, I mean, it all kind of, you know, weaves itself together. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I've always wanted, I mean, I was raised in Mississippi. You want to get married out of high school and start having babies. It was just the culture. I mean, that's what we do. And um, I was dating somebody really seriously my senior year in high school, and he was um, physically abusive to me. And it, um, I remember watching him with my little sister, who at that point was like, what, two, three, and thinking, and I guess it was the Holy Spirit at the time thinking he would do that to my children. Oh, wow. And I couldn't, 
I couldn't do it. And when I broke up with him, it pretty much destroyed me because I had believed everything that he had told me about myself, that nobody would ever want me, that I would be that. And I started, that's when I started eating to kind of fill that, that, that gap up. And, you know, I was like, I kept telling myself, um, if I'm not married by the time I'm 26, then I just won't, you know, because I wanted it. I wanted to get married and it just wasn't something that God had for me. I thought it was punishment, but it turned out to be protection. And he was very, very gracious to me in what I thought he was being very mean. Um, and I grew up and, and really started going into my career and doing things. And because I was single and didn't have a family, I was able to work on my career because broadcasting is very demanding. I work with 30 people in my building. There are three of us who have never been divorced and two of us are single and never been married. Yeah, so it's a very demanding and I always knew that if I wanted to be a parent, I would have to quit my job because I couldn't do both. It's too demanding. Um, but being single in the church, you go through this, where do you go? Where's this place for you? You know, there's, there's really not anything for you. And as a young woman, people start questioning a lot of things about you when you're single, about your orientation, about what's wrong with you. Are you crazy? You know, something, she's damaged goods. Um, and I used to do that to myself. If I would only lose weight, if I was prettier, if I had more together, then I would be worthy to be somebody's wife because I wanted that. And um, it came a point, I don't know, I don't I wish I knew I could pinpoint exactly when it happened, but it did that where God started changing the way that I felt about being rejected to being highly favored. Instead of being, I'm sorry, there's nobody for you. Instead, knowing that God looked at me and said, there is nobody I trust with you because you're so precious. Come be with me. So it's not like a rejection, it's like a choosing. And I think that's what Paul said, if you can be single, be single. Because there's something so beautiful about that relationship if you get past what your expectations are in life and start seeing how God has literally set you apart. This is something that's precious to him, so he's put it on the side. And I still struggle with that, you know, but that's that's where I am and he's been very gracious to do that now are there still times I think I would like a partner in life you know to somebody a spiritual leader in my house somebody that I could partner with in ministry and do that sure but I haven't found that person that person hasn't been brought into my life yet that um that I trust to lead me spiritually at this point because God is doing such an amazing job of it I love that God's kind of being enough yeah yeah and I know I heard that when I was growing up and I thought it was a bunch of yeah because it feels it know? feels like that coming out of my yeah, mouth yeah that's an excuse when you say that you say that to the girl that you know nobody's gonna ever you know you nobody's gonna want to be with her let so Jesus, like, Jesus be enough. enough yeah you know and it's like Jesus is my boyfriend that's he's not your boyfriend he's your savior get over yourself this mm. you know but just knowing that it's because you're single it's not a curse and it's not a punishment it's an assignment and I that, love you know, that. So it's just and, and just grasping onto that. The same way that marriage is right. an assignment, singleness is an yeah. assignment. Yeah, and it's not one that a lot of people sign up for. They don't for sure. Because you get stuck at the I'm single part and you don't start walking down that road mm -hmm. of what that means and what the you know, the the land yap of that you know being able to do that what do you think that married people or married friends what do they need to know about their single friends does that make sense uh -huh. what i'm asking what would you say to married people who have single friends i guess is what i'm asking don't exclude us because we're single and don't think that you have to have a special language to talk to us. I uh, recently was at a conference and I had gone by myself and I met some friends there from a place where I used to go to church and one of the girls looked at me and she said, I love that you're here because you're single. And she <gasps> stopped and I said, single, you can say it. 
Like it's okay. It's not a bad word. You know, I'm not I'm not upset about the fact that I'm single. It's you know this this is where I am in my life. But don't treat us any differently. We still want to be invited to the barbecues. You don't have to try to fix us up. You know, you don't have to try to meet that need in us. Just be our friend. So, what are some blind spots you see in the church as a whole when it comes to single people? That we have a purpose. Um, we have a voice that just because we're not part of your your demographic, you're married with two kids, that we can still be of service. And that doesn't just mean in youth or college. You know, we can still yes, we can yes. still lead somewhere. And if you're called to that, that's cool. But, you know, we can still do other things. We can still be a part of other ministries and do other things. And we want to be, or at least I do. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. And I, I wish we could tear down the stereotypes Mm -hmm. or the stigma that comes from being single in the South. I was just speaking with a lady yesterday. She has served on staff at this church for 25 years, 22 of those. She was a children's and preschool minister. And then now she's doing um, congregational care, Mm -hmm. all of those roles. So she's been single, never been married. All of those roles that she has taken on and served with in that church, those are big roles that require a lot of time. And I just thought as she's telling me this, um, which, you know, I told you I go way too deep, too fast with people. And so I'm like, did you, did you want to be married? Were you always wanted to be single? And yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just met you. Yeah. That's too much. <laughs> she said, no, no, I don't mind talking about it. She's like, um, kind of had a similar experience with you. Just mm-hmm. kind of saw, uh, had a, a bad relationship, but, um, realize that God actually saved her from that as mm-hmm. he ended up in prison mm-hmm. and for a long time and just kind of God saved her from that, but gave her such great purpose in serving her local church. And so much so that when she stepped out of the role, um, the preschool and children's and she kind of moved to a different role within that church. Um, the guy who stepped in was married two kids and she's like, I have spoiled these kids, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because I've given them time that you, you can't give them. Right. And you can obviously can love and love them in other ways. But, I just thought, wow, how God, God, you would not have been able to serve in that capacity to the extent that you did had you had a family that you had to care about and be about. Right, right. And um, I just think I have a sister-in-law who is not married. She's in her 30s, which I think is amazing. But Mm -hmm. the things that she is able to do and the ways that I see her serve I, I not that I envy that, but I just, I champion that for sure because I know man, I wouldn't, I can't do that because of the constraints that I have mm-hmm. with my family. Mm-hmm. And so I just, man, I just want to champion. Mm-hmm. I love how you said it's an assignment, not a curse. Right, right. That's so beautiful. And it doesn't take our voice away. I actually had somebody when I was in broadcasting because, you know, we have target audiences and this station was female based, you know, like a mom based. And he actually told me that, he said, I really want to bring another female into the show because we need to know what a Christian woman is thinking. And I'm like, well, I can tell you what one's thinking right now. But because I wasn't married or didn't have kids, it devalued wow. anything that he thought that I had to say. Because when you look at trying to speak to a type of person, you miss the person. And we're women. And I can talk to women, but that wasn't... You know, but that and it just and I know he was trying to be helpful, but it just fed into that, you know, that stereotype. So your message to married to married people with single friends is invite them in. Yeah. Don't exclude them because they're single. Right. What about the person that's worried about, oh, well, they might feel like a third wheel or, you know, that's a big thing. They're you can th- always just, you know, talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> ask them how they feel about yeah, it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So, hey, I want you to come to this thing, but would it be weird for you? Yeah. Is that what? Is yeah. That what I just want to make sure that you're comfortable. You know, we don't care, but I don't want to put any pressure on oh, you. Oh, that's you know, good. Just being you know. honest. Yeah. Transparent. <laughs> I mean, that's the answer. It's a novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Yeah, I think sometimes, I think often we overthink it, just like I did with mm-hmm. it, you know the prompt to invite you to mm-hmm. to coffee or to lunch. Don't overthink it. Right. If you, if you think about and extend the invitation, be honest and and include because, mm-hmm. man, we all have, we all have things that we can learn from each other, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that I love part of this group and 
um, that meets pretty regularly and we're all ages and all seasons of life. And I value that so much. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, when I think of tribe, I think of that, Mm -hmm. you know, different, different age groups, different seasons of life, because we all can learn from each other because you have a perspective that I don't have. And Carrie has a perspective that I don't have because we're different seasons of life, different stages, different occupations. And I, man, we're all the body of Christ and we all have things to offer. So let's be sure that we're including everybody into that tribe. I love that. Thank you for sharing about your life. No problem. And about your struggles and about the places where you've found victory and confidence and the things that God's taught you. I think that you shared so much wisdom with us. And what happens (laughs) when you're almost 47? You have a lot of wisdom. I love it. (laughs) So what is something new that you are loving? I am a big Joseph Prince fan. Like I love Joseph Prince. He pastors New Creation Church in Singapore, and he has been teaching a series on communion and what that means. And this is so out of my Baptist bubble. Like it's so different for me, but I have been doing, um, personal communion every morning and I do it as part of my Bible study and just focusing on the sacrifice that was made and the forgiveness that was given. And it has been such a good centering point for me and has really kind of revealed some insecurities that I have in my own faith about who God is and if he's able to do the things for me that I know he can do for you and me admitting that because when you focus on the ultimate sacrifice that was made to bring you into the family, it makes you reevaluate why you believe the things that you do, if there's truth, if that's tradition, if it's grace or if it's law. And I don't ever want to take the sacrifice for granted and not grab all of it that I can. So that is something that I have been doing every morning and really kind of looking at what healing means in the Bible. What does healing mean? Because, you know, you hear the the verse thrown out all the time, by his stripes we are healed. What does that really mean? Is that healing, is it physical healing? Is it spiritual healing? Is it mental healing? Is it something from the inside out? And I really believe that it is Jesus's desire, his mission on earth, and God's desire for us to be whole in every area of our life. And being very honest with him about where we fall short. Because if you realize that it's a problem that needs to be worked on, he then is ready to go to work. He's just waiting for you to give him permission to get in there and clean those things up. But you have to be at a point where you real, you recognize it. And, and it, that's what And wouldn't you say it's a matter of surrender? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then surrendering that part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, it's weird as a Baptist girl to sit at your desk every morning that you're doing your Bible study with, and you have your little thing of grape juice and your little communion crackers, and you're like, is this sacrilegious to Mm. not be doing this? Or is it just the most intimate, personal thing that I'm doing because it's one-on-one with my Savior? And it is definitely the most intimate thing that you can do. It just because it's just a focus and a remembering of the sacrifice and the freedom that came with it. I love that. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And what a great reminder to begin the day by reflecting on the body that was broken to cover our transgressions, our sins, our bad attitudes, you know, (laughs) and the forgiveness, the ugliest and that forgiveness, take in that forgiveness for myself so I can freely offer it to others. Absolutely. And that's my prayer every morning when I take the, the cup is that I remember the forgiveness that you've given me and I'm able to extend it to others. So, yeah. So if somebody is hearing this and they're like, okay, well, maybe I should start doing this. Okay, so just go to the cabinet and get the loaf of bread, get <laughs> Look, a piece, get, get what are we? I heard Lisa Harper one time talk about how she was with, and I don't remember these women. I think they were inmates or ex-inmates or whatever, but they hadn't done communion in so long. So she went and found somebody's Pepsi in this room that nobody, she said, <laughs> I don't even know who it was, but we got it and some mints or some cough drops and we had communion wow. with that. And she said it was one of the most powerful things that she's ever done because it's a symbol of, you know, and they did that a lot in the first church. They, you know had communion and shared tables and and did all of that to remember that sacrifice and I think it's something that we should probably strive to do more of to remember the holiness and the fulfillment and the completion Mm -hmm. of what Jesus did for us on the cross 
Yeah, perspective shifting mm-hmm. for sure. So if you're a mama of some small kids, yeah. you need to get there. Get some puffs and some juicy yeah. juice. <laughs> <laughs> yep, anything will work. And uh, go to scripture yeah. and and remind yourself of of what those things represent yeah. because it's a it's a heart. It's a matter of the heart, and it's between you and the Lord in such Absolutely. an intimate way to start yeah. the day with the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for sharing. Yeah. That's such a good new thing that I'm gonna have to try. I know. So, um, who's up next? Which one are you are going next? I don't totally know. Make Heather do this. Huh? <laughs> you. I'm next. Heather's next. I can't next wait. Next time we interview a host, it will be Heather. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> Didn't you love her transparency? She is as real as it gets for someone in the spotlight. You can hear Tracy locally every day on the morning show on US 96. And if you would like to invite Tracy Lee to speak at your event, you can find her on Facebook at Tracy Lee Ministries. That's L-E-E. We're so thankful you've joined us for this conversation. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram at 517lifepodcast. And make sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss a minute of life.